Hi guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And this is going to be Unsettling. Deeply. Been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> what um? What have you been watching after Stranger Things? Did you finish Stranger Things? I finished. I can't watch anything except um the Real Housewives of Dallas. So. Oh okay, I haven't watched that. Is it good? It's terrible. Oh okay, but, but it's like it. good trash. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm ter. I just love the housewives, and I didn't think I'd ever be this person. Yeah, no, you don't strike me as a housewives. But like, I don't like to watch things like documentary, like scary ones or crime ones because i listen to it so much yeah so you have no outlet of like not so i can't like everything i used to watch it was somewhat like not terrible trash television yeah was kind of crime related so now i don't feel like i could watch it anymore that's fair so i have to put on like junk i fall asleep to um iron chef Oh, see, I, I don't have cable or I'd be watching other things. Netflix has Iron Chef. Okay, I have no excuse. Um, but apparently Dark on Netflix is like kind of like a Stranger Things. Hmm. So it's not like crimey. I think it's just like a little bit spooky. Okay. But I haven't watched it, so I actually have no idea. I heard good things about the bear also. Okay. Because, you know, did you hear about that one? No. He's like a chef. It's on Hulu and they kind of go like, I heard it's like really accurate of what it's like to be in the restaurant industry oh and i've been in the restaurant industry that's your whole like yeah i mean i haven't really been like a chef like that like like the guy on the show like that's not my been like other place you know like not like yeah an intense executive you've been around it but i've been around it hell yeah plenty and so i'm looking forward to watching that huh do you have a hulu subscription i do oh i might need your credentials because i want to watch only murders in the room or only murders in the house okay but I don't have Hulu. Yeah, so. I'll I'll give you my stuff. But don't because I think that's illegal. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, random fact of the episode: Did you know, in the '60s, Europe as a whole, but specifically Switzerland, Switzerland was dealing with a rabies outbreak? No, and it was being spread by a red fox that mm. lived in towns in the and in the woods but like woods of the towns so they were trying to figure out different ways to vaccinate this fox <laughs> i don't even know where i found this but they were trying to figure out different ways to vaccinate this fox and none of the options that they had tried really worked so their way to eradicate the rabies outbreak just just take a guess you're not going to be able to guess but take a guess i don't know i was thinking they were gonna like shoot it with a dart full of rabies stuff they would drop thousands of chicken heads from an airplane okay. with the rabies vaccine in the chicken heads got mouth. it and uh it worked they and love chicken heads i can tell you that from first experience really? yeah they rip off their heads and they just oh, leave right. the body you lost the chickens yeah well i lost their heads <gasps> damn we left the body which oh. was useful did you use it no oh it was not um, useful at all it, but it, it worked. Mm -hmm. And in about four years, they dropped about 150,000 chicken heads. Good shit. Yeah. So if you have that issue, just chicken heads. Just chuck them. Happy to hear it. 
Soma first this meet this week, which means I needed to come up with two cases. We have been doing a lot of murders, so I think this week I'll take us back to like a spooky, unsettling. It's not really, I mean, it's a little bit spooky. Definitely unsettling. Don't like it. Gave me the heebie-jeebies when I was writing it. And then my other case tonight is a very confusing murder. So <laughs> buckle up, BB. We're going for it. Um, how familiar are you with the Great Barrier Reef? Somewhat. I I feel like you would be. Yeah, somewhat. Um, I, I mean, wasn't I been there, but kind of. So I did a little digging. As a whole, the Great Barrier Reef is about 133 square miles, which is a it's the biggest reef on Earth, but it's about the size of Germany or Japan. Yes, it's for- big as fuck. It's dying. Yeah. Sad, sad. Big, sad. Big, huge, um, sad. With it being so big, there's obviously, like, different sections, and they call them bioregions. So, like, different, I, I mean, states, if you want to okay. Americanize <laughs> it. There's different states of the reef. And there's 30 bioregions in the reef, and 40 bioregions that surround the reef. So there's the ocean around the reef is also those bioregions. So as a whole, there's 70 pieces that make up the reef. Okay. Um, also, because we have them, hated the people that listen in Australia. Can't imagine what it's like to have a lady. All in New- three of you. <laughs> Can't imagine what it's like to have a lady in New Jersey. There's more than three. There's, there's some. There's, there's definitely some. Five. <laughs> Five. <laughs> Five Aussies. I can't imagine what it's like with the to have a lady with a Jersey accent talk about your homeland with uh, such unintended ignorance. Yeah, um, we're learning. We're trying to do better. But if I do anything wrong or say anything wrong, sorry. So anyway, the reef is big, right? Massive, and people travel to different areas of the reef depending on what you're looking to see. So this week for this case, we're going to be talking specifically about the Saint Crispin bioregion of the Great Barrier Reef. The St. Crispin bioregion is named the Underwater Flower Garden of the Great Barrier Reef. Sounds cute. It, it, it is. And it's home to clams and crabbies and all different types of coral. Oh. St. Crispin, that bioregion, is about 35 miles offshore. And it takes about an hour and a half on a large boat to get there. It's pretty far. Yeah. Um, and they specifically say a large boat because I guess the seas that you have to go through, you wouldn't make it on like a dinghy. Okay. Um. And when you get there, there's only four moorings and moorings are basically like a pole out in the middle of the ocean that you can dock to. So you don't hurt the reef, like dropping your anchor. So it's pretty secluded, but tourists will go and book day long excursions to go see this reef, which is where our case begins. (laughs) Tom and Eileen Lonergan, Lonergan, I'm going to struggle with that the whole time, were American tourists visiting Mm. Australia in January of 1998 but yeah between the missions uh their missions with the peace corps so they had just finished in fiji and they were headed to australia they were headed through australia continuing their selfless work they were going to another place but they stopped at the great barrier reef since they were already near it um tom and eileen were both graduates of louisiana state university which is where they met and they married in 1988 Eileen had always loved scuba diving, and Tom loved Eileen, so Tom quickly picked up said hobby. Uh, Tom was 33, and Eileen was 28, which is oddly familiar, because I'm about to be 33. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, we need to do something for my birthday, but that's irrelevant. 
Um, but anyway, so they were described as being let's go yeah, scuba diving. Right, let's go. <laughs> let's just book a quick trip to the Great Barrier Reef, St. Crispin's for my birth, and uh we'll we'll go scubaing. Let's go. Um they were described as being young, idealistic, and in love with each other. You know, the perfect little couple. So on January 25th, 1998, Tom and Eileen boarded a scuba boat with about 24 other passengers, and they headed out to the world's largest coral reef. They arrived on schedule in about an hour and a half later. Their destination was a utopia, even to Tom and Eileen, who had already seen some of the most beautiful places on the planet through the Peace Corps. Civilization really didn't exist out there. It was just nature. The shoreline was completely out of sight, and you were surrounded in a warm, teal pool that just seemed bottomless yeah so some places weren't as deep but there was i mean like i think on average it was 35 meters deep which is what 90 almost 100 feet more than 100 feet 115 Mm -hmm. feet so it's deep yeah but not like crazy so all 26 passengers were fitted with diving gear they entered the water tom and eileen stayed together as they explored one of the greatest world wonders Always making sure to see each other out of the corner of the, their eye because, like, they would swim around and they check to make sure that the other one was still there. They were almost disappointed when they realized that the gauge on their air tank had hit a level that meant that it was time to return to the surface. So, but that had also meant that they didn't even realize how much time they had spent down there. Mm-hmm. So Eileen, being a seasoned scuba diver, knew to not let the sea lure you past your means. And when your air was up, it's time to go. So they made the journey to the surface and were excited to reminisce on their adventure during the one and a half hour boat ride back home. So they're swimming up to the surface, right? So Tom and Eileen broke the water surface and took a few seconds to regain their whereabouts because, you know, how that is, even just on the shore here, when you get like tumbled in the waves and it takes you a second and you look around, you're like, where the hell am I? Yeah, and they're just a lot of time underwater. Yeah, so they're just trying to, you know, Figure out where they are. And they weren't worried. They knew that the boat was moored. And they they weren't worried when they didn't see it immediately. Because they just figured they were facing the wrong direction. Yeah. Like, when you're in the ocean and there's nothing around you, if you're facing the wrong direction, it seems like you're all You'll have yourself. a reference. Or- yeah. So, that, like, calm sense of ease pretty quickly left when both Tom and Eileen turned around expecting to see the boat that brought them 35 miles offshore and saw nothing. But open water mm. no boats no other passengers but just tom and eileen bobbing around in the great barrier reef in australia i love how they did the count definitely yeah right at the top of the boat i'm sure you're gonna talk about that mm-hmm. and there's not one but two <laughs> yeah you know it's kind of like what and happened it, there and it's even scarier like once you realize what happened yeah because how this all like pans out oof. Like, you really shouldn't be able to do that. Right? You would think, like, you know what? Before we leave, let's make sure we have everybody. Yeah, they always do the count. Yeah. So, Tom and Eileen tried not to panic. Because, again, these these people were... They had seen some shit, right? They were in the Peace Corps. They had been to these crazy impoverished areas. Like, they they weren't immediate panickers. They, They had lived through some stuff. So, they're trying not to panic. And surely, once the boat realized that it had left them... It would turn around and pick them back up, but that would take some time because it took an hour and a half to get here. Yeah. So even if they made it all the way to the shore, then it's going to take another hour and a half to get back. So it could take up to three hours. Mm. So when the boat that they were on returned to shore and didn't realize that 
they were two passengers short, they realized there was an issue. Because yeah. it had been hours and the boat hadn't come back. And the sun's probably started to set. And Tom and Eileen were essentially nomads, right? They didn't have anyone back home waiting for them. They didn't have sure. kids. They didn't have a house. They they were nomads. They traveled to wherever their next mission was. There's nobody to call to be like, they didn't make it back to the hotel. Yeah. Or like, if you're doing something dangerous or stupid, you text me and you're like, hey, I'm about to do this. If you don't hear from me, yeah. this is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that because who are they going to text? Yeah. They really only had each other. So the front desk. I I mean, Yeah. I'm not blaming them. No. But. So <laughs> just, if anybody else is in this situation, then yeah. tell, I'm like, tell, tell someone. someone. Tell someone that or you're something. Nothing's probably going to happen. Yeah. Like, just, it's better to be safe than sorry. And a lot of times I forget to, to do things too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. So. So, you know, the boat gets back, doesn't realize that it's two passengers short, but it probably realized pretty quickly, right? Like you're a captain of a ship. No. Two full days pass. And the skipper tells the deckhand, hey, can you go clean my boat? I'm done for the day. And the deckhand starts by removing all the dive gear and the life jackets, rewraps the ropes. And near the back of the boat, he notices a bag that didn't belong there. And passengers left things behind all the time, so it wasn't an issue. The deckhand just continued to clean the boat. Put it aside, right? Once the deckhand put the boat back together, so he put the life jackets back on, the dive gear back on, and was ready to head home, he gave the unclaimed bag to the skipper so the skipper could get it back to its rightful owner. Because again, this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. I would have to assume that this was the last time this skipper ever knew peace in his life. I think so. Right before he opened that bag. Mm -hmm. Because he thought it was just any other bag. The skipper flipped open the bag, and inside he found a passport. Flipped open the passport... And was looking back at a face he would never forget, but had already forgotten. Eileen Lonergan. Now, just side note. Imagine what that must have felt like. Terrible. Like, don't get me wrong, Tylen. Tom- Two days have passed. You're probably like, oh, fuck. And like, don't don't get me wrong. Time, Tom and Eileen are having a fucking time right now, right? Like, they're not in a good place. But imagine what that, like, skipper felt like. I know. He's probably, ugh. Like... No, when you fuck something up really bad and you realize and you're like, oh, God, like I, it's kind of late and you're like, oh, God, I feel like I've had those moments. But not like I've never not lost to this extent, state, but but that like mo- take any moment like that in your life and times it by like a million billions, <laughs> like two people like, God, well, you two know, days. The, the ocean terrifies me to begin with. And like we go to the beach every weekend but like, it just, I can't, I never go past my waist. I can usually see my feet and the sand is white. I can see everything around me. So I can't imagine how anyone in the situation felt because they are a hundred in hundred foot deep water. This guy just realized he left two people two days ago. Yeah. They have no supplies. Culmination of shit. Yeah. It's just, it's a real bad situation. So this part was surprising only because I know human nature. The skipper... I don't know him personally, but again, human nature. You don't? <laughs> I don't. Um, the skipper does the right thing, surprisingly, and immediately alerts the authorities. An air and sea search team head out looking for two Americans floating in the tiger shark infested area of the Great Barrier Reef. Because not only did sweet little clams and crabbies <sighs> live here, tiger sharks lived there too. It's not a good shark to have around. And typically, like when you go out on these scuba things, 
to try and keep you safe, they will intentionally feed tiger sharks like mm. 50 yards away from where you are to keep them over there. Okay. Didn't know that. It's probably problematic on its own, but <laughs> yeah. So they like try and because they don't they don't want them to see like all these people swimming around like that's an easy meal. Yeah. So if they try and bait them to sit like chum in a different area, keep them over there. It's probably more like they don't think they're really going to attack them, but they won't, don't want the people to be like, oh, you know, freak out. Yeah. So. And of course, I mean, yeah, thank God he did the right because he probably realized like at some point this is going to get back to us. I know. But like I yeah. just with like the shit we talk about. Yeah. Well, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't try to get himself into this. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. But thank God. Right. Yeah. So um, even the American Navy, obviously, but civilians, Australian civilians hopped on their boats and started looking for these people. Australians are a cool bunch. I actually wrote Australians are good people. They, I've, Everyone I've met has been great. Yeah. Great. Um, side note, Katie just went on that world mm-hmm. round tour and she was in like a group trip and uh, she was apparently one of the oldest ones there <laughs> and only one of two. Her friend was the other one. Americans. Mm hmm. And the rest of them were Australians. She probably had a rowdy time. So the entire time they called uh, Katie and her friend the old Americans. <laughs> and Katie's only 28. She's not old. It's <laughs> not. But it was just funny that she's the old American. So now we have the Navy, an air team, a cert, uh, a <sighs> we have a sea search, an air search, the Navy and civilians all out looking for these two people who were bobbing bobbing near the Great Barrier Reef. Searchers combed the area and really weren't able to find much, unfortunately. There was no trace of the Lonergans at all. So six months later, six months later, the Lonergans dive gear washes ashore on a Port Douglas beach, 75 miles from where they went missing. It was a wetsuit of Eileen's size, with no blood stains, which was interesting. Inflatable dive jackets, like those those ones that you pull the string and goes, and it had Tom and Eileen's name on them and their air tags. She's been just taking it off and been like, take me, you know. Yeah. Just kind of been like, all right. Yeah. They give up. So uh, the other thing they found with their dive gear was a dive slate, which is like a, a how divers take notes underwater. Mm-hmm. And the slate had the following note written on it. To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on again, and I think that was like a spelling error, court brief, uh, January 25th, 1998, 3 p.m. Please come help rescue us before we die. Help! Exclamation point. Yeah. The odds of finding Tom and Eileen alive were super slim. It was assumed that they had just been attacked by sharks or drowned. The bag containing Tom and Eileen's wallet and passport also held Eileen's diary where she would write about her adventures in the Peace Corps and also personal thoughts in hopes of finding some answers or at least someone to tell what was going on, like some family members or anything. They looked into Eileen's diary and this seemingly terrible accident became incredibly sinister. So Eileen had written in her diary two weeks before they had gone missing, that Tom had a death wish, saying he hopes to die a quick and painless death, and he hopes that it comes soon. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it wasn't quick or painless. No. And she went on to say, Tom's not suicidal, 
but he's got a death wish that could lead him to what he desires. And I could get caught in that. What does that mean? Like he's got a death wish but and he's got a, he doesn't want to die. But what, what was that quote? It says Tom's not suicidal. How, okay. But he's got a death wish. So he's not. Okay. He doesn't want to kill himself. Well, when he dies, but he wants to die. He wants to die soon, quick and painlessly. I mean, but that's what it said, right? So, side note, if Vlad ever said anything like that to you, what would you do? Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's human nature to hope for a quick and painless death, right? I would call Diane. But, (laughs) yes. But for it to come soon and then worry that you might also reach an untimely end because of it. like. I get that they were in a foreign country and really who was she going to call and what was she going to do? But you, you can't just live with that. No. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. I've probably said to Eric a billion times, not a billion, but a handful of times when I die, I don't want to burn and I don't want to drown and I want it to be quick. Yeah. I've never said I want it to be soon and that I, 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 I feel like for that to be so dis- like distinct Just there. Yeah. There's no way like he planned that either. Well, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> this is all an, an assumption that this is all with the assumption that Eileen was in the right state of mind when she wrote that. Right. Yeah. And they were nomads. So is it possible that Eileen had conjured up this whole idea that Tom wanted to die and then took him on the scuba trip knowing she was better and more well-versed at it. Was it a murder-suicide plot? Was it just a suicide plot? Was I wonder it- how much later they came up than everybody else. Because so, you know when you're supposed to come up. You're supposed to have a buddy. I mean, this is what I know about scuba anyway. Okay, so I've never scuba because I, I hate I the ocean. I never have, but I had friends who, like, did, who were, like, instructors. I had a lot of, like, scuba friends, I guess. Okay, scuba friends. Yeah, <laughs> tons, you know. Um, <laughs> like, a couple. <laughs> I could reach out. Um oh, scuba friend. Still in contact with some. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you have like a buddy. You're supposed to certain time. You have a watch. You know, yeah. like uh, there's procedures in place to make sure this doesn't happen. And they said at best the amount of air they had, they could have only been under for an hour. But th- how would a boat pack up 24 people? They have a roster. Ungear them. Yeah. And leave, leave no wake for them to like, because you would feel the wake of the boat. And you have their shoes on board. Not only that. Yeah. You you should, you know, I mean, this has happened in the past. It's not the first time or the last time this is going to happen. Yeah, unfortunately. But it's rare. And people usually just, again, usually there's somebody designated to be like, Rachel Brandt here. Yeah. Or whatever your name is now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... There's you know, a lot more vowels in it now. There's a lot of things went wrong, but that's very odd. Like, it, it's hard for me to believe, like, they planned this. But then I'm like, maybe they did. I, I don't know. It's crazy, right? I'm like, how? Yeah, it's like odd, right? So, apparently Eileen and Tom did have family back home. They just weren't like, you know, it was the 90s. So you weren't super connected to those people if you lived on a different continent. Yeah. And the family back home dismissed the sewer, the suicide or murder-suicide plot. But do they really know Tom and Eileen that well? They had just spent two years in Fiji. Like, they don't even know what they encountered when they were in Fiji. Uh, yeah. And was it Tom 
Tom was bigger than Eileen. Tom was older than Eileen. Did he really have this death wish that he wanted to take out the one person he loved with? So, ultimately, this is interesting. Ultimately, they assume that they died from either a shark attack or drowning, but they never found their remains. Yeah. The diving boat company was held accountable, and the skipper pleaded guilty to negligence. Mm Mm-hmm. The court wanted to charge him with manslaughter. And at the end of the trial, the skipper was found not guilty. Hmm. And the boating business did end up going out of business, yeah. but he didn't serve any time for it. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I need more details to be like, to say if that was my opinion on that, you know. I feel like there's just a lot of checks and balances that you should be making if you're taking the lives of 26 people into account. Yeah, I feel like it was like several people too. And like, like, who were responsible for that? A couple of people at least. You were negligent. Yeah. You, you, it wasn't manslaughter. You didn't intend to do that, but you were negligent. Yeah, like I'm not saying he should go to like jail, but I don't know. So to this day, Tom and Eileen's bodies have never been recovered. The skipper was not guilty of manslaughter and it could have all been a premeditated event. There's a, mov- a movie that's also loosely based off of this called uh, Open Water. I haven't terrible, watched it yet. Terrible film. Is it? Yeah. Like terrible like to watch or terrible because it's just a really bad movie? Both. Okay. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, it sucked. Um, also, I think in the movie, they didn't at all go into how they found out they were missing. I think the movie just stays with the fact that they get eaten by sharks. Yeah, that's the movie. Um, they don't go like it. I mean, not to say that someone's misfortune is interesting, but they didn't keep like the interesting of how they realized they were missing or yeah. how it could have been premeditated. None of that's in the movie. No, it wasn't. I remember that. It's coming back to me a little bit now. It's all coming back to me now. Um, I found this information on Wikipedia, all things interesting and mirror.co. Great. So that is, I don't even know what to call this one. Lost at sea. Isn't that what we called yours though? Yeah. Left. Le- abandoned at sea? Yeah. Left at sea? Probably left at sea. hmm They weren't intentionally abandoned. They were just left. Left. But isn't it crazy that she wrote that in her diary? It's really weird. It's also a terrible way to die. Right? Like... Terrible. God, do I hate the ocean. I hate the ocean. It's so just, terrible, terrible, terrible. Even if you didn't get eaten, you just sat there and, like, Almost be better starved. than eaten. Yeah. Yeah, I would rather just eat me, like, take it quick than to starve mm-hmm. and just get vicious sunburn. Mm. Fish, yeah. Like, can you imagine the sunburn you have from Terrible. floating? You're so thirsty, but you can't drink any of the water Because you would you. just die? Yeah. Oh, my God. Sad. It is sad. It's terrible. Okay. But, yeah, that's what I got. Careful when you go scuba diving. Make sure you uh, know when the boat's about to leave. And sorry to all our Australians if I was wrong or pronounced things wrong, because, you know, that's a that's, good possibility. Yeah, and that's fine. We're learning. <laughs> we're, we're learning. And that's fine. And that's fine. All right. Thanks all right. for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.